Luke chapter 7. I love the book of Luke, and I love preaching out of the New Testament. The several times I've been here, I normally preach out of the Gospels, and you and I get to talk about it, and I'll be in the foyer uh, this, this, after this service, and, and I love talking to you about the Gospel, talking to you about the Word, talking to you about what God is doing. I love talking about uh, the Gospels, and one of the things I love about the book of Luke is the book of Luke is a book of details. The book of Luke answers some things that some of the other gospel writers don't answer. So sometimes you can lean into the book of Luke and you'll see something, you'll see an angle, or it'll give you a vantage point about life. It'll give you a vantage point about what Jesus is doing, the miracles that Jesus does that some of the other books don't give you. And this is one of those stories. I wanna read a miracle to you. And I love the header of this, Luke chapter seven, verse 11 through 17. 17 that says this, Jesus raises a widow's son. So many things that are just in that phrase. Jesus raises a widow's son. Let me read you these scriptures. Verse 11, soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. Everybody say Nain. It's an interesting word. It says, and, these, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. Now, you would just say that it's just a dead person, but Luke gives another description. Luke says this, the only son of his mother, and then it goes a little deeper and says she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. What an interesting thing to say at a funeral. Could you imagine going to a funeral or walking up to someone who's going through something and saying to them, don't cry at a funeral? How many knows you would be arrested by the funeral police if you said that at a funeral? And, and Jesus is the only one that can say that. He says, don't cry. Then the Bible says, then he went up, touched the bearer, touched the casket that they were carrying him on, and the, and the pallbearer stood still, and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. I was reading one scholar, I love kind of digging into this, and one of the scholars and one of the biblical you know, scholars who researched this says that he is glad that Jesus said, young man, get up, specifically to this man, because if he would have just said, get up, Jesus has enough power to empty every grave and to empty every tomb, and everyone that ever died could have been risen. Can I have a good amen? It's interesting when you see this young man get up, said the, the, the dead man set up, began to talk. Jesus gave him back to his mother. Mother, They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This is what they said to each other. God has come to help his people. Then the Bible says the news of Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. I want to read that to you one more time. In verse 16, the dead man sat up, talked to his mother. Verse 16, they were all filled with awe. They praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us. They said to each other, God has come to help his people. You know, I, I love taking a title right out of Scripture, an encouragement right out of Scripture. The encouragement this morning, the encouragement to our life, to our church, to our families, to what's going on in our blended family, what's happening as a student or as a senior adult, what's happening in this COVID world, what's happening in a world that sometimes is so unpredictable, in a world that oftentimes uh, treats us not correctly, in a world that sometimes we feel like there's a good and a bad. God says to us that he's come to help his people. 
Now, I, didn't, I was not raised in church. And uh, it, so I, I wasn't brought up in church. We didn't go to church until I was 18 years old when I came to Christ. So I didn't go to church because I was like wicked or, you know, I, I did like seances or anything like that. We just worked the weekends. We didn't know. I don't ever remember as a teenager ever waking up and people saying to me, you know, my parents saying, get up, get dressed, get up, get dressed. Don't ever remember that. So I came to Christ through outreach. Thank God for the, the ministry that you do called Vibrant Cares because you do outreach. And sometimes you wonder, does anybody get reached through outreach? Does anybody get reached when we go and we serve and we help and we give our, our tithe and offering? I'm the product of a church that did an outreach. I would have never come to church. Thank God that the church came to me. I was just one of those people, and there's so many people around us. And so, But I started thinking a little bit about this phrase and this truth that God has come to help his people. That was not the mindset before I came to Christ that I thought about God. I, that was not my mindset. I w if you just said what God was like, I would have never said that God has come to help his people. That I had the wrong mindset. I would have thought God has come to punish his people. God has come to give his people a hard time. God has come to be, de to be distant from me. God has come to be confusing towards me. But in 1982, when I, come to, when I came to Christ and I said yes to Jesus Christ, and I started my fresh start, my eyes were open, and all of a sudden I realized that Jesus Christ has come to help his people. That's a revelation in your own heart. It's when you have a change of mindset, when you start realizing that, that God has an intent for our life, that God wants us to make a difference, that God wants us to be whole, that God wants us to, to find purpose in our life, and that God is here to help us. I think sometimes we think about God and maybe we heard something from an uncle or we had a, we had a thought from someone else that's a hand-me-down idea and our idea of God is not that he has come to help his people but we see this in Jesus and guess what? When you see Jesus, you see the Father. He's come to help his people. Now what I love about this story is that Jesus got up one morning and he decided to go to Nain now, Nain is in the middle of nowhere. You don't go to Nain for no reason. I don't know if you know that city, that you go to that city, and that city is not on the way to nowhere. You don't ever just go through Nain. You got to go to Nain. Nain was 25 miles from Capernaum, where the headquarters of Jesus was. And it's a 25-mile walk. Now, I walk a little bit around my neighborhood. As you can tell, I don't walk 25 miles a day. I try to get about a mile in, to be honest with you. And most of that I do through my steps on my watch, and I just walk around the kitchen. I walk to the refrigerator. I'm exercising. 25 miles. He gets up in the morning. He looks at his disciples. Where are we going to go today? Are we going to Jerusalem? Are we going to Galilee? Where, what exciting place are we going to? What adventure are we going to go on Jesus? Jesus says, gather your things together. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Where are we going to? We're going to Nain. Nain might as well be nowhere. Nain in the reality is nowhere. Nain, Nain in the reality, there's nothing there. It's a very small hamlet just on the side of a valley. Just a few people. There's, there's not a lot of agriculture out there. There's not even livestock out there. You end up in Nain because you, you, either you want to hide or, or, or you ended up there by accident when you read about this place. But Jesus goes out of his way. Because he knows that there is a miracle that needs to be performed. He knows that there's a miracle that's waiting to happen. And it was all his idea 
Nobody informs him about there's been a death. Nobody sends him a text or an email or calls him on the phone and says there's been a, there's been a death. There's a widow there. They're getting ready to have a funeral. Nobody knows any of these things. But Jesus knows what's happening in every single person's heart. Isn't that amazing? Jesus knows that there's a miracle waiting in nowhere. There's a miracle waiting on the backside. There's a miracle waiting in loneliness. There's a miracle waiting in isolation. Can I have a better amen from Vibrant Church? And there's a miracle over there. So Jesus, just all out of him, Jesus plans a meeting. He knows exactly the timing. He knows exactly when to leave Capernaum. He knows exactly when to be at the gate. He always knows where to be at the right moment. And I love how he takes this journey of compassion. You can see it there that these two crowds, there's one crowd that's exciting. Where is Jesus taking us? The last time we went on a stroll with Jesus, we fed the multitudes. The last time we had a parade with Jesus, the blind eyes were open. The last time we gathered up in our squad and we walked out to the next city, we were going as a group to the next village. Man, I'm gonna tell you, people got healed, miracles happened. Where are we going today? There's one crowd that is excited. There's one crowd that is following the Savior. There's one crowd that is following Christ. But this crowd meets another crowd who is following a casket. I don't know if you've ever looked at other people's lives and think, man, everything's going well for them. Why, why does my walk, my path, my struggle not look like theirs? They're, it seems like every step they take is blessed. And every step they take works. And you've got two crowds. One crowd meets another crowd. You've got two sons. There's one son that's gone. There's one son that's dead. But there's one son that is the son of God. And the son of God has life. The son of God has a miracle. There's two sons. One son meets another son. There's two crowds. There's two sons. And there's really two miracles that take place when you really break this story down. There's the miracle for the mother. We find out that the mother is a widow. We find out that the mother has lost her husband and, and, and that's enough pain. Once dead, once painful, once hurt, once isolated. We know that as a widow, she would have to be taken care of by her son. We know that as a widow, uh, there would be challenges. There would be, there would be things that would happen in her life that other families would not experience uh, as they're a whole. And here she is as a widow, but she's got a son who's going to help her. She's got a son that can provide. She's got a son that can work. But then we find out but there, uh, that, that this takes place. And it gives us the description that not only is she a widow, she is a widow that only has one son. And now her only son, son is going to be buried. Now she's experienced death twice. Twice dead. She's buried her husband. Now she's going back out to that same place. And now she's burying her son. You talk about hopelessness. Talk about bad news. Talk about a bad situation. But there's another miracle that's going to take place. There's a miracle that's going to take place for the son, but there's also a miracle that's going to take place for the boy. And Jesus gives them a miracle. I love how the Bible says that when Jesus raises the dead, raises that son, he gives her back to the mom. We don't even know if there's been a conversation between Jesus and the mother. We just know that Jesus sees her and, 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 and there's compassion. And he looks at her and says, don't cry. We, we don't even know if she even said, she even knew who he was. But yet he gives her back her son and, and, and we know that her life is back restored. It's one of my favorite miracles in the Bible. 
It's one of my favorite windows that I look through uh, as a dad or as a husband or as a friend or as someone that's trying to help other people and be a blessing to other people and wanting to be there for my friends and wanting to be there for my kids. And I look at it and it gives me such hope because I know that when I read this, that if God has come to help his people and God came to help that widow and God came to help that son, then God will come to help my situation and God will come to help my family and God will come to help my life. I can remember my first funeral I ever did. I was 24 years old. I was a baby. And I was not expected to be a part of this funeral. We had a, a, I was a youth pastor and a, a, a mom moved in town and, and, and her dad and my parents moved in town, had two kids and uh, they came to our youth group. I started getting to know them. One of their daughters was a ball player and, uh, and so they, we got to know them a little bit. I played a little ball uh, back in the day and so we would talk about basketball and she was a great basketball player and got a call one morning early in the morning that this precious family, that the father and, and the dad and the husband uh, passed away suddenly. It was tragic. I can remember uh, on a Sunday after church, we did a funeral for that dad, that husband. And he, he was a young man, 55 years old. And, and the grief that, I, you know, and, and my pastor called me that day and said, hey, I'm gonna need you to assist me at the funeral. I'd never done that, 24 years old. Again, I'm just a youth pastor. We weren't doing fu funerals in the youth group. I mean, it was just, we were doing lock-ins and, you know, shaving cream and, and you, know, you know, all those kind of things. We just, I had not done any of that. I'd just gotten in ministry. My, and he said, I want you to assist me. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to stand. I didn't know what to say. I just was awkward. You know when you just, you constantly feel awkward? What do I do with my hands? Where do I put my hands? And, you know, I'm a big man. It ain't like I can hide behind a ficus tree. Can I, can I have a good amen? Just, I mean, I'm just all over the place. And at the end of the funeral, I stand in the wrong place. And my pastor looks at me and says, hey, listen, I cannot go to Manny, Louisiana. I'm going to need you to jump in that hearse. And I'm going to need you to drive up to Manny, Louisiana. And I'm going to need you to do the funeral up in Manny. I say, what, 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 where's Manny? I'm in Baton Rouge. It's a three-hour drive. It's August. It's hot. He says, and, and you know, you gotta, you gotta get up there before the funeral. You gotta get the body in the ground. So you need to take care of things. I jump in the hearse. I, I, I mean, I think I have a New Testament in my pocket. You know, I'm driving to Manny, Louisiana, with a funeral director. Listen to this: who never speaks to me for the whole ride. I'm like, can you help me? You've done this, obviously. You're like 100 years old. I mean, can, can you give a brother a little help here? I'm 24 years old. I've never done anything. like. I'm nervous. I'm, I'm petrified. We get to Manny. We go into a little chapel, a little church out in the middle of nowhere in a place like Nain. It's hot 30. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There ain't no AC in this chapel. About 150 family members in there. Seats about 80. People standing outside. Funeral director looks at me. He's an older gentleman. He looks at me and says, let's go. We have to get the body in the ground in 45 minutes. Sun's going down. I get up. I ramble. Just say amen. Praise God. God is good. Amen. 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 He's a resurrection and a life. Bow your heads. That's all I got. We get done at that moment. I don't know where to stand. People come through. We're heading out to the gravesite. Mother and daughter come up. The grief. Never seen such grief in my life. Uh, mother and two daughters faint. Go down. They're out. Funeral. And I'm just, I don't know what to do. I'm like, amen. 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 And the funeral director is looking at me and says, you need to do something. Amen. The grief. They fainted. They're out. This 90-something-year-old funeral director reaches in his pocket and takes out smelling salt. 
That brother was prepared. And he shoves it up in that wife's nose. And those kids, get up, get up, get up, get up. They come up out that ground. He says, listen, your daddy, your husband, he's not here. He is with Jesus. He is alive. That is his earth suit. He is with Jesus. Get in the car. He looked at me and said, son, get in the Cadillac. We're going to the grave site. Boy, the revelation of Jesus at 24 years old, that he is the life, he is our peace, he is our hope in this world, he is our hope on the other side, he is our grace, he is our mercy, he is our everything. He is the resurrection and life. Why? Because God Almighty has come to help his people in their worst day, in their worst moment. That's what God does. I wrote this down in my journal this morning. Jesus Christ is the only one that can walk up to a painful situation, can walk up to the death of a dream, can walk up to a hurt of a family, can walk up to a life broken, to walk up to a hopeless situation and turn it around because he has come to help his people. He knows every single person and he knows the answer for every single person's problems. Vibrant, he has come to help his people. And so we look at our name. We look at our now. We look at our nothing. We look at our situation. And we know that God knows where we're at. He can find us when we feel unnoticed, when we feel unwanted, when we feel like nobody even knows where I live. Nobody even is noticing what's happening in my life. Jesus Christ can locate us in our lives. That's the truth. I want to finish up. I want to give you three applications that I love out of the story that I think will minister to each of us in our now, in our moment, even right now in our lives, to our church, to our families. Here's the three things I see in this scripture that will help me. Here's the first thing is I see sorrow. And what I think is so interesting about the sorrow that's taking place in this scripture is that Jesus does not avoid the sorrow. I mean, Jesus refers to it. He's right there in the middle of it. See, the, Isaiah tells us that Jesus Christ is a man of sorrows. And, he, and, and what that means is he takes our pain, the pain that's in our heart, the pain that's in our life, the pain that's in our mind, and out of it comes healing and help. He takes our pain upon him. I love this new definition of compassion uh, that I've been discovering, I've been writing down, I've been thinking about a lot. True compassion, vibrant, true compassion is when I take your pain and I put it in my heart and then I walk it out with you. I'm gonna take you, you ever heard the expression, you, you know, you need to walk a mile in my shoes? That's really an expression of compassion. It's where I take my shoes off and I put your shoes on and I begin to walk them out in your life, in your, your thing, in your circumstance, in your season, and that's the compassion I begin to understand. Jesus was a man of sorrow, so he saw that mother, he saw that situation, and he took that pain in his heart and he gave back healing and help. So never believe the lie that you are all alone. Never believe the lie that you're by yourself. He's a man of sorrow. 
And you and I get to reflect him through compassion towards other people. There's nothing like having a true compassionate friend. Oh, you know when there's some, you ever had somebody who's critical, but then you got somebody who's compassionate? You ever had a friend that all they do is complain about you? But when you have a friend that's compassionate, that says, hey, I'm going to put your pain, I'm going to put your storm, I'm going to put your situation in my heart, and I'm going to help you through this. So you see sorrow in this story. And here's the second thing that you see in this story that helps me in my life, and that's sympathy. I love how Jesus had sympathy. That's a powerful word. It's not sympathy like you poor thing. Oh, bless your heart. Poor thing. She's struggling, boys. She's struggling. She got issues. You poor, poor thing. No, 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 no. That's not it. Sympathy is I'm here for you. Hey, I'm here for you. I got you. Sympathy is I will carry you when you can't walk. I will help you. Hey, sympathy is this. When everybody else walks out, I plan on walking in. Can I have a good amen? That's what sympathy is. I'm planning to be there when nobody else is going to be there. I'm planning on being involved, and I will feel what you're feeling, but then I'm going to act on that. That's sympathy. How many have seen this story? Uh, I've been watching this a little bit. Uh, the gorilla girl glue girl. The, girl, the girl that put her hair in glue. The glue girl, you've seen that? And when I, at first I saw it and I thought, wow, that's, that's got to be rough. And, and then I started seeing these memes, these, these, the people making fun of it on, on, on social media, Facebook and all that kind of stuff, Insta, Insta scam, I mean Instagram, all these different things where, you know, people were making fun of her. And, 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 but what I love what took place, if you watch the story, there was a doctor in Beverly Hills who had compassion on her and had sympathy on her. I mean, this girl from Louisiana, come on, Louisiana, shout out to the Cajuns. This girl from Louisiana gets on a plane, goes out to Beverly Hills, and he begins to do this process. He doesn't know her, but he sees her story, and guess what happens? His heart goes out to her. He sees her story. He's not going to criticize. He's not going to make fun of. He's not going to laugh at. He's going to feel what she's feeling. He acts, brings her out, and, and, and comes up with a solution in a way, restores her hair back, and she's all right now. She's looking good and all this kind of things. Here's what she said when, they, when she said, what did it feel like for him to reach out to you and for him to be there for you? These were her exact words. She said, he gave me back my life. Mm, Lord, have mercy. We ought to be in the giving back of life business and the people all around us. Sorrow, sympathy. And the last thing I, let, I see from this story, and I'll finish with this, is supernatural. Oh, thank God for the supernatural. I believe in the supernatural power of God Almighty. You know why I believe it? Because I've experienced it in my own life. I've experienced it in my marriage. I've experienced it in my family. I've seen it take place in my kids. I've seen it take place in people around me. The supernatural power of God. One of the most interesting things about this story that I will say over and over again, we're not even sure that the woman even speaks to him. So she doesn't plead. We don't see her pleading. 
We don't see her grabbing Jesus and begging for help. We don't see her, you know, so worried. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? That miracle that we read here in Luke chapter 7, it is a miracle that is drawn solely from the deep well of a divine compassion. He takes that miracle, Jesus does, out of his own well of compassion. Guess what, church? He's not lost the recipe of a miracle. He still got the recipe of a miracle. Other day we were in the kitchen and my wife was trying to make a coconut cake. She lost her recipe. My, my, my. We were, we were, we were in panic mode. Brother need a little coconut cake. We lost the recipe. We still ain't found it. I went to Chick-fil-A, got me a cookies and cream shake. He's not lost the recipe. He got the recipe for you, for your family, for this church. He's got the recipe. Amen. Name. Nowhere. In the Greek, you know what name means? Beautiful. He takes our nowhere, our nowheres. He takes our 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 end of the road. Hey, come on. He takes our dead ends. And he makes them beautiful. And that's the recipe of our God. You know why, Vibrant? God has come to help his people. He did it then. Look at me, look at me. He will do it now for you and this church, your family, the hurting and the broken. He will do it now. Let's bow our heads, let's pray together. Father, we love you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. In just a moment, one of our pastors is going to come and help you take that next step, that fresh start. This is a fresh start house. It's what we believe. It's what we stand on. We believe in a fresh start. We believe in a second chance. We believe in a, God, I need you. We believe that God shows up. We believe that God forgives, that God heals. God gives grace and mercy. That's what this house is all about. So just before one of our pastors comes and helps you to take a next step here online, I want to give you that opportunity all over this room. If you say, Dino, I need God's help in my life right now. I need God's help. I'm going to step out and believe God for that. I'm going to say today, I need God's help in my life. Maybe to just give you a new beginning. Maybe for a fresh start. Maybe healing. Maybe, maybe, maybe a miracle. Maybe something in your family. Maybe something going on at work. But I need God's help. Now, I'm going to embarrass you. Have you stand up or come forward. I do want to connect with you and pray with you all across this room. Every head bowed, every eye raised. You said, you know, pray for me. I need God's help in my life right now. Just raise up your hand. If you're in a name right now, I see those hands. Hands are going up all across this room. My, 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 how incredible that is. The honesty and the transparency of this house is amazing. I've always felt it every moment I've been here. Let's all pray this prayer together. But we help take that next step. Just pray. Let's all pray it out loud. It'll be good. Just say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my everything. I give you my good, and I give you my bad. I give you my here, and I give you my now. And I ask for your help in my life. Be my Savior. 
be my Lord, be my everything. In Jesus' name, amen.